RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. It's Tuesday morning. That's Tech Tuesday. That is the imaginative name that our marketing team came up with for this program, Tech Tuesday. Of course, it had to be on a Tuesday to make that work, <laughs> not Tech Wednesday. It's got a ring to it. Anyway, I want to welcome Stephen Sykes from Christchurch, our Tech Tuesday I guess, uh, what would you say? How would you describe yourself? And you're not a reporter. Um, you're an enthusiast expert. I'm going to settle back on, on expert, Stephen. I hope you don't mind. Yeah, if you like. Um, I, I suppose I've got my fingers in a few pies. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure there's a single box I'd fit in. Well, expert will do because everybody else says expert. Everyone else is an expert. So you're an expert as well. Okay, so uh, interesting chat last week about privacy, and you asked for questions as well from our audience, and some came in. So let's clear the mailbox first, and then we'll get into talking about, well, basically how to manage your phone you know, properly. If you're, if you're really worried about things, you're conscientious about that. Plenty of tips for managing your phone. I know it's a bit of a chore. We'll get to that shortly. So, Stephen... Um, what sort of questions have come in for you? Well, uh, we had one about AI, um, a, a deep question about that. Um, AI is a topic all by itself, as you could appreciate. So that's something um, I'd like to leave for a different day, if that's all right. Um, did have a couple of requests for something uh, along the lines of a template letter that people could use to send to whomever they see fit regarding questions on what surveillance the cameras are up to. So uh, give me a little bit of time and I will knock something up that uh, you'll be able to um, to use and then spread around to everybody. And the last um, bit of feedback we got was uh, finding some tips, some action steps they could um, could use. And so when we talk about phones today, I'm going to give you a few bits and pieces that you can hopefully go away and use to um, make things less bad. And I say less bad because unless you take bigger steps, um, you're kind of only going halfway. Right. Less bad. Hmm. All right. Interesting you got that um, correspondence regarding the, the cameras, I was just thinking. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's something that uh, unless you're looking up at them, they're always looking down at you. Yeah, that's the problem. And who's looking at the stuff that's looking down at you? Because you don't have to be there in front of the screen at the time. Everything's date time stamped. Yeah. So, you know, it's easy to go to any any place, any time. Who's watching? Yeah. Yep. Uh, typically Big Brother. Yeah. <laughs> and Sister now, actually. Okay. All right. So um, we'll uh, keep an eye on those things. And you can email to inbox at realitycheck.radio to our tech Put Tech Tuesday in the subject line or something. They'll get through to Stephen, and we'll pick up on those uh, questions and answers as we go through. All right. So where do we start in what we're talking about today, do you think? Well, with uh, pretty much everyone's got a phone, um, pretty much like they have a nose, as Peter Williams might refer to. There are some people out there that, you know, they want to get away from the big tech influence. So sometimes they go, well, the easiest way to do that is to just get rid of the smartphone and just go back to something, you know, a bit old school. I've um, heard people say that. Yeah, but, it, you know, go for it. Like an old phone. Nokia or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's 
I mean, when when you do that, you kind of solve one problem, but you leave yourself wide open to others. And that is that all communications that a dumb phone is capable of that leaves you text messaging and phone calls. Did you call it a dull phone? Well, the dull phone, dumb phone. I did say dumb, but I guess they're a bit. I like dull. Dull's dumb. good. Well, it depends. I once had an old Ericsson phone that had a really good game of Tetris. Okay, it's not so dull then, is it? <laughs> it wasn't dull. I wasted, no, sorry, I invested a lot of time playing Tetris. I'm on a very, phone? On a phone. I'm I'm very good at packing things into spaces that they wouldn't otherwise be considered to fit in. But, okay, all right. But um, So those old phones are based upon using communication um, standards that are 30-plus years old. There is no encryption at all whether it's your text messages or phone calls. So that means anybody with the right equipment and particularly phone companies and three-letter agencies or even in New Zealand's case, a four-letter agency can easily snoop, spy and intercept those messages. So unless you're okay with that, um, you need to use something else. There is an advantage to having such an old phone if we ever find ourselves um, having to scan QR codes to enter into buildings, you can always go up to the person at the front door with a dumb phone and say, I'm having trouble installing the app. Can you help me? <laughs> uh, they won't want to go there, will they? No. no. So you're in. Yeah, um, pretty much. So I'm going to remember that one. Yeah. You have to show something though, right? Like hold well, up yeah. a phone that looks like no one could recognize yeah, like, yeah, does that thing still run on electricity or is it gas pa- <laughs> petal powered or whatever? Pull out um, a Bakelite phone. Yeah. And the other trouble those phones have is that their life is limited because as we go through time, some of that old tech will be turned off. So at the moment, as far as I understand it, you know, when they're upgrading smart meters, they're taking out the 3G modems that are in them to put 4G ones in because they know that even 3G has um, a limited life, so it won't be maintained for a great deal longer. Um, So uh, that aside, what that leaves us with then is uh, if we want to carry on with um, trying to do the best to protect ourselves, we need to have a de-Googled phone. The Google phone is an Android phone that doesn't have all the Google stuff in it, hence the name, um, which is a thing. You can look up the term de-Googling on, on Wikipedia and read about it. Uh, people seem to have this misconception that having an iPhone is the best thing you could do for your privacy and that it really, really isn't. Uh, you can do anything with an iPhone you want to, so long as Apple say so. So the belief that because you bought the phone that it's yours is an illusion because at the end of the day, they can and have before removed remotely apps off people's phones because they decided no one should have it anymore. Wow. Has there been a thought out there in the um, iPhone world that it was more private than other phones or was there some sort of impression formed there? Or are people just assuming that if it's this sort of product then? Yeah, well, there's sort of a reputation, and in, in some cases that reputation is justified, but at the same time, at the end of the day, you're trusting 
a big tech company with your stuff. Which, can, can reach into your phone, right? Yep, yep. Reach in, pull anything out they want, effectively. Yep. So it, it, it's a bit like, you know, say if um, you bought a product from a shop and you took it home and then someone decided, oh, no, we've decided um, people shouldn't have this product anymore and then they just walk, walk into your house and remove it. Wow. And just, just take it away. That's what it's the equivalent to in, in, in the physical realm. Hence the reason why tech companies just have so much power. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, your phone is not really a phone. It's a computer. It's a small handheld computer with a bunch of environmental sensors. So you've got a GPS uh, locating in it. You've got an accelerometer, a gyroscope, a humidity sensor, um, and temperature. You also have Wi-Fi and Bluetooth um, connectivity as well. So it, it's a mini computer with a touchscreen, and it will fit in your pocket quite nicely. It's actually just you describing that. It's incredible, isn't it? It is. It's like it's mind blowing, actually. It is like even going back, you know, fifteen years. If you, you know, went back in a time machine and you showed people one of those, they would probably name a city after you. Because they yeah. think you were you were so yeah, and that's just uh, five, six, seven years. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, so, what are the next uh, seven years going to be like? Well, exactly. Um, People will be teleporting themselves in, to in front of us. Oh, you just do it consciously. Yeah, do a what? Your subconscious. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, you don't even need to physically go anywhere. Of course. Yeah, yeah. The, the field, as they say. All right. So, um, yeah, it's interesting what you say about the old phones, completely naked. If you ever thought that you were going off grid, you were actually going more on grid than you could ever imagine. Pretty much. You've got no secure communications at all. Um, so if it, to go down the road of a de-Googled phone, it's um, it's not always straightforward for anybody to, to do. Um, basically find a nearby teenager and go, please... Um, Google me. Yeah. And by doing that, you need to get a phone that's supported. There's thousands of different models out there. And the fact that we can actually install an operating system that's free of Google stuff is quite amazing. You, you don't have that option with an iPhone. You're in their ecosystem. You play by their rules. That's the way it is. But when you're having an Android phone, then you do have options. You can um, you can have your cake and eat it. You can take all the Google stuff out. And there's a few different operating systems you can use, which looks and smells just like Android that you're used to. So I use one called Lineage OS on a Samsung S10 Plus. Just repeat that, just nice and slow for everybody. Get ready. This is what yeah. you're going to hear. Okay. So, so the one I use is called Lineage OS. It's spelt L-I-N-E-A-G-E OS. And there's another one called E Foundation. That's E as in the letter that comes before F. Yeah. Electro it means electronic, doesn't it? Uh, great question. The uh, origin of that. Yeah, the origin of that. Um E, 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 we'll think about on that one. Yeah. And then you've got, and this has got a very dubious sounding name, Graphene OS. 
and another one called Calyx. Now, those last two will only operate on Google Pixel phones. And the irony there is that the Google Pixel phone, all of the models that it includes, is the most supported phone for the purpose of de-Googling. Uh, so they're doing it to themselves. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so you can't rush out and go and buy a, a brand new $2,000 phone and then expect to de-Google it because it's unlikely to be supported. So the four uh, operating systems I just mentioned, you need to go to the websites and you can browse the all the phone manufacturers and their models that are supported. Um, I offer de-Googling as a service, typically for people who are local. Um, I can do that for others if that comes to it. You can also buy off the shelf phones that already are de-Googled. So for example, you could buy a Brax 2 phone, that's B-R-A-X and then the number two, or you could buy a clear phone. Both of these are kind of expensive and they're not always easy to get and they suffer from the same problem that every phone suffers from and that is that they can still break. So it's, it's in my view, it's better to uh, reuse an existing phone or, you know, get a secondhand one and you need to balance up between how much it will cost you to buy another one, like off-trade me, um, compared with the storage that it comes with, what's uh, available out there and how new the phone is um, and how long it'll be supported for. So my S10 Plus was made in 2019. Uh, Samsung made updates so that you went as far as Android version 12. Now, there's Android version 13 available for my phone, for my S10. So that means my phone now has a longer life to what Samsung originally had for it. So it gets to live again. And the other reason you want to consider using um, or reusing an existing phone is that you're creating less waste. And uh, just on a slight tangent, um, people have uh, a hate for EVs um, because they have cobalt in the batteries. Right. And people go, well, you know, all the child slave labor that goes on around that which clearly is a bad thing. But if you're going to hate EVs for that, then you might as well start hating phones. You might as well start hating computers and TVs and everything else with electronics in it. Um, cordless drills, because they tend to have cobalt in those batteries as well. And then you've got other issues to consider with phones is that um, they have um, tantalum capacitors now, capacitors are a simple electronic device that have been around since forever. They have one on the Enterprise, the the flux capacitor. Oh, no, you're, you, you've got your uh, pop culture all messed up there. Oh, okay. Who had that one then? Uh, the flux capacitor was in the DeLorean. In ah, the yeah, of course. What am I thinking? Oh, no, I'm thinking the dilithium crystals. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right there. So, um, who, who minds them? Well, well, the tantum capacitors have a metal in them called coltan. Now, it's typically mined in the um, uh, DRC, um, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Right. And now, in order to mine that stuff, 
many thousands of gorillas have been murdered for this stuff. That's in addition to the child slave labor that comes with it as well. So the next time your employer might give you a new phone every single year, you might say, you know what? I kind of like gorillas more than a new phone. So I just might say no. So, um, you could you know, ask questions around where did the tantalum capacitors come from? Where did, where did the coltan inside those electronic components come from? You can imagine the meeting that that comes up in. Yeah. So has anybody got anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, now you mention it. Yeah. Oh, dear. But fair enough. But what you're saying is you can't escape. Uh, the only way you can escape, escape is live in the forest somewhere and build a bivouac and have nothing. Oh, no, we can still have our key connected. We just need to ask some questions about responsibility. Like, we don't need a new phone every year. I mean, yeah, we, but we're still partaking. I do, do, yeah. yeah. But, and um, we're prepared to to let it go and not think about it because we also, you know, want the benefit of it. So that's the human condition, of course. It is, it is. And if you've got a phone that you want to get rid of because it's, it's, uh, broken perhaps you can drop it off at places like uh, 1NZ shops or Spark or 2 Degrees and they'll send it to uh, Remobile in Auckland to get them recycled and in some cases refurbished so they can they can live again. There's a um, company in the Netherlands called Fairphone and they make phones which are supposed to be as much as they can be devoid of components um, that are free from conflict areas, like I was talking about with sourcing. Wow. Content. Yeah. So they're trying to avoid that as much as they possibly can. Okay. Now, I was just thinking too, before, when you're, you're talking about different phone models, and, you know, some are really expensive, a couple of grand, I think you, you mentioned there. Uh, I've never spent more than a $200 on a phone, and I've never felt that I've been constrained by that, though I'm not a great snapper of pictures and, and every now and then I, I start to max out the storage with music files and things like that. Well, what do you get for the extra money? Probably um, a slightly faster processor, a bit more storage, and maybe a better camera. I think people could consider uh, squeezing a bit more life out of a phone that otherwise might other you know not be useful. And most phones come with that much crud on it that it will take up space on the phone that they could have been using for photos. But, hey, with a de-Googled phone, you, you get all that crud taken off. Yeah. And you can use applications that you can still do the stuff you've always been doing. You just don't have that extra layer of, you know, fat in there. And if, you, if you've got a, um, you know, an existing Android phone and you want to start moving into using uh, free open source applications, you know, slowly, slowly get yourself um, uh, working in a different mode. You can install on your phone a thing called F-Droid, which is an alternative to the Google Play Store. All the software in it is free open source software. So you've got your web browsers, you've got your various um, office type applications, web browsers and all that kind of stuff, and a whole bunch of extra cool things as well and the software for this you know is free open source so people can read it and inspect it and modify it 
And so you can see if it's reporting back to anyone or, or a software person could anyway. Well, yes. And if you end up using a Google phone, you can use all the stuff that's in the F-Droid store. Plus, you can, without actually associating a Google a Gmail address, you can still pull out of Google Play Store all the apps you would normally be using without using your own Google account. Because you use another app called Aurora, which acts as a bridge between you and the Google Play Store. Right. And with it, you can suck in, suck in all the apps you were using. The uh, Aurora has a very cool um, feature in it, is that it has a report done by an organization called Exodus. And it will list for you uh, any known trackers that any given app in the Play Store has. Oh, so it analyzes what it's talking to. Yep. Well, that's that is smart. Yeah. So you can make better and short and better choices because you, you're not always conscious. Just because you, you know, you allow certain permissions um on the phone, it doesn't mean that it's still not doing other dirty stuff behind your back. So Exodus will say, hey, here's the trackers that are in here and you can look at those and go, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to use that anymore. I'm going to go find something else that has my best interests at heart. Yeah, and Google allow this. Ultimately, they're allowing it, aren't they? Well, I guess ultimately, yes. But at the same time, the method by which the Aurora store works, it's faking a Google account. Uh, right, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Google actually doesn't, well, the people in Google don't know. The machinery thinks it's business as usual, obviously. I'm su I'm surprised it's working for as long as it has been, to be honest. Okay, um, we'll get it while it's going. Pretty much. But um, there's a few things you can do to your existing phone to uh, make things less bad, and that basically um, includes turning certain stuff off. So if you go into your phone settings, and if you use the search, because where things show up in menus can change uh, between phone models, you want to search for uh, the build number. So you type in build number into the search, and it should show you the setting. And when you get it, you tap on that seven times. Just seven. seven. Seven times in quick mm -hmm. succession. Oh, you got to be coordinated for that. Oh, just a little bit. Um, and then as you get close to seven, it'll start showing a countdown to say how many steps you are away from turning on developer options. Right. When you, so developer options, when that's on, will show up a new a new um, menu item in your settings. This is like, um, uh, think of it as those little Easter eggs they have at the end of movies at the end of the credits, if you sit there and watch the credits, they show some Easter egg or they show some um, other scene. It, it, it's like extra cool stuff that you can do with. Okay. I don't know about that one. I, Mind you, I hardly ever go to movies. So yeah. what do I know? Yeah. I used to. I used to. Mm. Uh, Top Gun I went to, but only because it's got planes in it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay, so something extra coming your way as you yep. go through this, yep. And then with developer options enabled, 
that allows a few other cool features to be activated as well. If you search for one called uh, Mock Location, I think it is, you mm -hmm. can then fake your GPS location. Oh, that's good. I like that one. So if you install another app, for example, called Fake GPS, and you're wondering, what does that do? Well, I'll tell you. It does exactly, yeah, it does exactly what the, it says on the tin. So you, oh, it comes in a tin. Well, figuratively speaking. They used so, to. Yeah. So you associate the fake GPS app with a setting called um, mock location. And there on a map, you can tap where you want to look like you are physically. So if, you then, if you then use GPS navigation and, I don't know, say you have put yourself in the Marshall Islands and then you want to know uh, how to get to the nearest mall, it'll go, I can't figure that one out. Sorry. <laughs> there are no malls in the Marshall Islands. I, well, the mall up the street is like, well, hang on, you're going to have to get on an aeroplane and like, no, this is just too hard. Did you see that story just jumping in? Because it was funny. It was uh, last week out of Hawaii where a woman followed her GPS uh, find her down a boat ramp into the water. Yep. <laughs> oh, dear. And it's I saw the video of it. Before. And it's like they, even when they're in the water, they still hadn't realized what had happened. That's not the first time that's happened, and it's a bit sad. But it you is... just, hey, boat ramp, water, stop, stop, stop. Yeah, there's something wrong with this scenario. Another another setting you can uh, play with, and this is not on all phones, it's typically found in later model Samsung ones, is another one called Sensors Off. When you turn on Sensors Off, it will add a new uh, setting in the tiles. When you, when you swipe down from the top, you'll see this new icon there. When you tap on that, it will disable your GPS, your camera, your microphone, your accelerometer, and your gyroscope. Makes it go dull. Makes it go dull. It's almost like going dark. Yeah, well, you, you are. If, you, if you're, you, you're kind of disappearing, all the sensors are turned off. Yes, um, except it, it'll still remain talking to, um, to uh, any Wi-Fi stuff. Or right. the, all the phone network. So that'll keep going, but it'll turn off other things. You can uh, off AliExpress, for example, if you search for mic blocker, you can buy these little wee three and a half millimeter, they look like um, headphone jacks with the end cut snipped off, and you can shove that in your head. In your oh, headset well, they've even port. thought of that. Yep. Um, you can't do that on iPhones because Apple took away headphone jacks um, several years ago. So you're about stuff there. But that's a that's a physical block to the microphone. If you switch your phone to speaker mode, then the microphone does still work in that mode. Uh, right. Another, another couple of settings that you want to search for. One's called Wi-Fi scanning, and the other one is called Bluetooth scanning. And the reason you um, want to turn those off, I will read the the wording that. The phone says, allow apps and services to scan for Wi-Fi networks at any time, even when Wi-Fi is off. 
This can be used, for example, to improve location-based features and services. So even if you have turned Wi-Fi off, Wi-Fi is still on, it's just not connecting to any Wi-Fi networks. However, mm. if you turn off the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth scanning, this goes away. I see. <clears throat> so even when it's off, it's on. Exactly. So you need to define what is off. Well, off doesn't exist in this case. Off a, does not exist. It's, it's not a word. It's it's kind of like a semi-off, semi-on, somewhere like that. And Yeah, why would you think of having that as a feature? I suppose you can think of convenient or convenience and, and um, how it could help the user, but also it, it goes the other way, so they know that. Yeah, so if GPS doesn't tend to work when you're inside because you don't have a clear view of the satellites. But if your phone knows about uh, Wi-Fi networks, then it can help locate you. So then the obvious question is, well, how would that know where you are based upon the Wi-Fi network you were attached to? Well, because Google knows, because your phone's been reporting the Wi-Fi networks it's been talking to, to Google. And they know where the networks are. Yes. So yeah. if you if you go to a website, um, it's called, uh, I don't know quite how you pronounce this, but uh, maybe weigle.net, W-I-G-L-E.net. That is a database of all the Wi-Fi access points on the planet. Boy, that's that would have a few in, in the... It's what, yeah. So you can zoom in on your house, and if there's a dot by it, then they know that um, your Wi-Fi access point has been catalogued. Crikey! Okay, you're um, opening my eyes this morning. <laughs> I, ne I blissfully unaware of any of this. Yeah, well, I could, I could, I could melt your mind some more, but we'll keep it a little bit light. Um, I have a question for the legal team. Um, it's commonplace for people to use the fingerprint sensor on phones as a convenient and quick way to unlock it. Now, in the USA, a fingerprint is like a physical key to a lock. You can legally be forced to use your fingerprint to unlock your phone. All right. I don't know if that's the case in New Zealand. I would love to know. So, legal team, if you're listening, here's a question for you. Katie and Nick, make yep. a note of that. I'll make a note of that. The other, I'll, I'll sling yep. the question to them. Great. The other thing you could do instead of using your fingerprint is just use a, a PIN number or something else, because even if it's not legally required, then you can, someone could still physically, you know, grab your hands and try it out on the fingerprints. But in the USA, at least, a pin code or a pattern or something like that is knowledge. It's something that you know, and you can't legally incriminate yourself. However, a fingerprint is a physical thing, so it's like a key. So that's how you can be legally um, required, if you like, to unlock your phone. They could stand over you and make you do it because your, your finger's attached to you. Um, Pretty much. What about the security of the print? How do they um store the you know the print recognition and is that secure oh you need to define what secure is um 
the fingerprint sensor and the hardware associated with it is typically in its own circuitry. It's still inside the phone and it's typically still separate from the operating system. So the prints that are stored in the phone are sort of not really built in. And it's done that way to try and make it more secure. And that's so it's there's a layer of isolation. So you couldn't caught directly attack the um, operating system and expect to get the fingerprint data right, out of well, that. That's good. But that's for now. Yeah, but there's lots of smart people out there and all the things you've just talked about are all there. So why not that as well at some point? But for now, it's yep. like ring fenced off is what you say. Basically, yeah, in simple terms. So um, and move, moving forward, some other things that, people should consider doing you know i mentioned earlier on that using plain text messages and phone calls and leave you open to um being spied upon so that applies to anyone with a smartphone as well so what you really really need to do is stop using plain text messages regular phone calls so what you use instead is you could use signal now a lot of people know how to use Signal, and one of its uh, best features is also one of its worst features, and that is the fact that all you need to do to get going to talk to somebody is a phone number. And you'll remember last time we talked about the metadata problem. Well, your phone number is is an ID. So people often put phone numbers in their phone in a contact list. Now that contact list gets synchronized with Google or Apple or somebody like that. So now they can map out human relationships based upon who's got whose number and whose contact list. Oh, gosh. So what's what's better, what is much, much, much better is an app called Session, S-E-S-S-I-O-N. You can go to the website getsession.org Session works just like Signal. You can still use messages. You can still do phone calls. It's not quite as advanced as Signal is, but it doesn't use phone numbers. It uses IDs. So the trade-off with, with Session is the fact that you need to get your IDs to each other so you can start communicating. You could, yeah, what would the best way, I guess you'd email that or... Well, um, given what I just said about Signal, <laughs> you could at least transmit it to each other with Signal, and then after that, you could disassociate your phone numbers with each other. Or, or give it to someone on a rolled-up piece of paper. Yeah, or print it on your t- on a T-shirt and walk around, and, okay, everyone, please scan me if you want to talk to me. Um, yeah. So something like that. Yeah. So um, that would be better because it becomes a zero-knowledge system. I mean, everything is encrypted and it does operate. The messages do go through the dark web and everybody goes, oh, dark web, that's evil and nasty. We don't want anything to do with that. Well, it's, yes, there are nefarious activities that operate on the dark web, but at the same time, there's a whole lot of good stuff. But everyone likes to focus on the bad stuff. Yeah, well, it's always demonized uh, in mainstream media for a start. Uh, I think the disinformation project has has mentioned the dark web a few times, and yeah. uh, you know that makes it sound scary, but that's where the contrarians live anyway. Yeah, yeah, and uh, since when has uh, 
mainstream media being terribly accurate at reporting stuff. <laughs> well, that's why they've only got uh, like you know trust level underground, <laughs> basically, yeah. or heading yeah. underground. Yes. Okay. Is there any any other apps or uh, services that you um, can recommend? If you go, if you get F Droid on your phone. In fact, you don't have to necessarily source them, these following apps I'm going to mention from F-Droid. Having said that, there's one or two that are only there. Stop using Google Chrome. Just Hang on, hang on. I use Google Chrome on my phone all the time. Well, not anymore, you're not. So why shouldn't I be using it? Okay, tell us why. Well, it's a Google product, so they are watching everything that you do. Instead of using that, you could use some. There's a web browser called Brave. You may have heard of it. Yes, I've they, heard of Brave. Yep. They also have a search engine. So they have a web browser and a search engine, right? So Google make Google Chrome, the web browser, and you've also heard of Google Search. So Google make both of those, and Brave do their own web browser, plus they do their own search engine. Use Brave for web browsing and a search engine. You could also, on your phone, uh, consider using Firefox as a better choice as well. Uh, on your desktop computer, you could always use another one called Libre Wolf, L-A-B-R-E Wolf. They don't make it for phones that I've noticed yet. For a GPS navigation, you could use something called Organic Maps. And there's another one called OSM AND. OSM stands for Open Street Maps. Um, the name's a bit weird to me, so it's the letter A, uh, the letters O S M A N D. For email, um, I use one called Fairmail. There's lots of email programs out there, but the reason I use that is got an absolute killer feature. It's a point, of, a significant point of difference, and that is, it will prevent pixel tracking. Pixel tracking happens when you get emailed from, say your insurance company, your power provider, or whatever, and embedded in the message, there is an image that when you you load the, the email, that little pixel, which you can't um, see because it's so tiny and it's the same color as maybe the background of the image or it's a pixel that's built into one of the pictures, that gets loaded out of their database at the point you read it which means they know the date and time you, that you read it. They know the device that you read it on. They know your IP address as well. Fairmail, oh, my golly. This just fairmail, keeps getting better. How would fairmail, you ever have known that? Well, yes. Um, pixel tracking has been around for a long time, but Fairmail recognizes these pixels and it will prevent them from being loaded. It'll load all the other images. But it will not those ones. Crikey. Okay. You can, That's you sobering. Can, and not you, that there's any, I've got any problem with that, but are we talking about some little item of branding or even something like that that it, comes it with it an email? Be, like if it's the insurance company, it'll have a header on it and there'll be a logo or something. And should I always suspect that embedded in there, one pixel so small to see, I should always assume that it's there. Pretty much. If via wow. mail, when you're reading a message, it shows you where in the email the tracking pixel exists in the message. So sometimes it's at the very bottom of the message, sometimes it's at the very top. Okay. Sometimes it's both. 
Oh, so it's even just a bat, not not even an image that's associated. It is just part of the like even the white background of an email could yeah. have a, another exactly. white pixel with a different yeah. um, program or, or description or, or whatever the digital identity of that is, and that's in there. You'd never see it. That's the point. Yeah, of course. Duh. So, so you could either if you if you don't use fair mail, but I suggest you do. It's great. You could load your emails and make sure all images are turned off. The other okay. way to the other way to do it is just to try and read uh, just the raw text. However, you know a lot of emails these days, if the images are off, then you miss out on the communication. So um, you pay your money, you take your choices. And it's a free open source app. So um, right. look at look into it. It's um, I swear by it, and I tell everyone who will listen to go and use it. Um, if if you're uh, using um, Facebook, instead of using the Facebook app, you could consider instead using one called Frost. It, Frost as in what you see on a cold winter's morning on your lawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another one called uh, Face Slim and another one called Slim Social. Now, these aren't as feature-rich as the native Facebook app, um, and part of that is because um, they don't quite have the developer time and energy to be able to stay up to date. So you may find certain things don't work, but hey, you can still do stuff in a web browser. Right. Okay. Uh, and instead of using the YouTube app, you could use one called LibreTube or SkyTube. Um, there's a few other ones, but there's a couple that you could um, have a play with and see how you go. All right, so just to remind listeners to our Tech Tuesday program with Stephen Sykes uh, that they can ask you questions, Stephen, and you will endeavour to find answers. It might take maybe the next, well, it'll be the next program or the program after that because you've got to dig down and you might have a few to deal with. Inbox at realitycheck.radio is the email address for that. Great talking again, Stephen. I look forward to next Tuesday. Me too. Thanks very much. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.